Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Again, great to see everybody. Uh, My name's Tim, and hey, we are starting a new journey today, a six-week series called Daring Faith. There are small groups that have formed, I think 22 or something like this groups, and uh, have formed around this topic for the next six weeks. And we have books that are available so that you can track through it all week long. Every day there's devotionals. Then when you uh, gather with your small group, you can talk about uh, the topic of the scripture that week. So I just want to encourage you to get the most out of the next six weeks. Become a part. And uh, hey, if you've got two or three friends and you want to start your own group, that is fabulous. We also have a DVD that goes along with this. So you can pick up the DVD, pick up the books, gather some of your friends in your neighborhood or on the job or wherever, and start a small group over this whole issue of daring faith. Uh, Last week, we talked about Joshua as kind of a preparatory to moving into this uh, series. And uh, I want to read this scripture from Romans 1.17 as just kind of a launch point here. Uh, For in the gospel, that is the good news, for in the good news, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from the first to the last, just as it is written. From the first to the last, the righteous will live by faith. So faith is incredibly important when it comes to this walk in following Jesus. Now, you might be here and you haven't started your walk yet, but you walked in here. That was a start. (laughs) And I mentioned that last week. Everybody, it seems to me like God has given them some measure of faith because we get up and we go places and we're not sure even people are going to be there, but we get up and we go. We come to a church. Maybe you show up and you go, I'm not exactly sure why I'm here. I don't know if I buy all this stuff yet, but you come in. And I see that as God's great gift to you. It's like a measure of faith that he drops into your heart to pull you toward himself. And I'm, I'm glad you're here. I mean, I'm glad you got questions. I got questions. Everybody should have questions. But you know what? That's the journey. But God starts the entire process by placing a bit of faith in our heart to take a step toward him to find out what indeed is this all about. So if that's you, I'm glad you're here. I hope you listen. I hope you'll track along and even be a part of a small group, even if you have not started your own journey yet. Just pursue what it means to have faith, and let's just see where it goes. And then there's lots of us here because it is a church, and uh, we want to know what it means to walk in faith. What does that really mean? Because there's so many different versions and and desires and, and, uh, and, and wants and different definitions of what that means out there. So I want to tell you a few things that faith is not, okay, as we get started this morning. One of the things faith is not, something I just mentioned, and that is desire. Faith is not necessarily desire. Now, it might lead you somewhere and lead you to a place where you need faith to to get there, but all of our desires, our cravings, our wants are not necessarily faith. We can crave a lot of things and want a lot of things that probably we don't need, right? And, uh, and so hoping and craving and desiring, that's not necessarily faith. Also, pretending is not faith. 
Making like you believe. Making like it's going to happen. Pretending that something that isn't is, is not faith. And I told the other two services, as an old surfer here, surfing for like 54 years now, I'm like, I can paddle out in this Atlantic Ocean. I love the Atlantic. I love our beach. I can paddle out in this long bay, very shallow, giant bay of an ocean every day and go, this is the Pacific Ocean. This is San Clemente, California. This is Lower Trestles. I can hear the rocks rumbling from the river mouth underneath my feet. And you know what? I open my eyes. It's flat Atlantic. Every time. I can pretend all I want. I can jump up on a surfboard and go, this is 15 feet. This, it doesn't make it so. It doesn't make it so. Faith is not pretending. And faith is not feeling either. It's like I'll do it when I feel it, right? Or if I feel I have faith, I'm going to respond to this. Actually, feelings can kind of get in the way at times of faith. They can trick us. They can waylay us. They can put us in a place of believing we're going the right direction when maybe we're going the wrong. Or it might talk us out of doing something that we should be doing and taking a step. So feelings are not a great gauge of whether we're walking in faith or not. Now, and some of us know that if you do certain things for a certain amount of time, the right things, feelings come in later. You don't always have the feelings up front. Some of us that have been married for a long time know that. You keep investing and you keep investing. And, and it may wane a little bit. It may ebb a little bit. But if you keep investing, all of a sudden it comes back. And that comes back and it reinforces it and it reinforces it. So you can't, you can't take feelings and go, that's faith. That is my faith. And also, bargaining, bargaining with God is not faith. You've done that, right? God, if you do X, I'll do Y. Right? It's like, that. I've got the faith to do this, God, if you will do this. Right? Bargaining. Well, you know, I don't, uh, God just didn't come through for me. I just don't, I don't know. God just didn't do that. And I mean, I told him and I said, here, God, if you will do this, I will do that. And God didn't do this, so I'm not going to do that. I'm just not going to do it. Or God let me down. God let me down. Or it's just not working for me. I, I don't know how many, you know, there have been a few times in my life where people have said, this thing is not working for me. And that's a misconception of faith in a way. This thing is not working for me. So bargaining with God, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just not faith at all. Desire, pretending, feeling, and bargaining. I want us to say a scripture together before we jump into the, the full uh, sermon teaching today. And it is over in Ephesians, the first chapter, the 18th and 19th verse. This is a book that was written by Paul. This first chapter, by the way, if you want to jump into a chapter and read uh, just a small amount of scripture that will do your heart good, take the first chapter of Ephesians and everywhere you see Paul say you or whatever, just plug your name into it. Plug your name into the first chapter of Ephesians and read it with your name in mind. And uh, I promise you, you'll come out of it with a big smile on your face if you'll do that. But in Ephesians 1, 18 through 19, and can we say this together? I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may be, know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and the incomparably great power for us who believe. Wow. That is my prayer for, uh, for this series and for us. So I'm going to pray over this. We're going to be over in the book of Numbers mostly today. That's the Old Testament. 
Uh, if you if you've got a Bible and you want to find it, it's right about there. See how early see how early on it is. It's just just right there, just barely into it. So it'll be on the screens. It's also in your handout this morning. Uh, all the scriptures are there and they're fill in, so you can track along. You should have received a pen as well. So Father, help us today. Uh, help me and my weakness to be able to bring your word. Uh, ask for the gift of teaching. Open up your word to us, God. Show us what daring faith is and grant to us, Lord, the courage to step in to daring faith in our personal lives and as a church, Lord. So we welcome you here, God. Come and do what you do well, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this 13th chapter, 13th chapter of Numbers starts with a, a list of names. And let me just, let me read some of these names to you, okay? Here we go. Shamua, not Shamu. Well, he was a whale of a guy, but Shamua, Shamua, Shaphat, Igal, Paltai, Gadiel, Gadai, Amiel, Sether, Nabai, and Guel. Do you guys remember any of those guys? Are they familiar? Are those names familiar to you? Oh, yeah, I remember Gad. Yeah, I remember that guy, Shamua. Yeah, that's the closest one you remember right now. And you're mixing him up with something, right? All 10 of those guys you don't remember. Let me ask you this. Do you remember two guys named Caleb and Joshua? You do remember them, right? Well, they're listed in here as well. Hosea, Joshua, Caleb. You know who you don't remember? The 10 negative spies who said, we're not going into the promised land. The two you remember are the two that did it. And that's why people do not remember people who do not step into what they're called to. They only remember the ones who do. Step in by faith to what God has called them. Nobody remembers these guys. Nobody will remember the things that we do unless they are, as Jesus said, everything is revolving around faith, how we live our lives out. And one of the things that trips us up is when we don't see life with eyes of faith, but we see them with eyes of fear. And, uh, and this is your first part of your fill-in. And what happens when we see life with eyes of fear, your first feeling is this. We exaggerate our difficulties. We exaggerate our difficulties. Some of us know this right now. It's suddenly we become overwhelmed, right? And things look bigger than they actually are. Well, look what happened to uh, the children of Israel. This is in Numbers, the 13th chapter, verses 27 through 28, and then verses 31 through 32. Talking about this land the spies went into, right? It does flow with milk and honey. It's a good land. Here is its fruit. But, don't you love it when people start saying something nice and good, and all of a sudden, in comes the word, but, you know. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. That's giants. That's another story. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And, they, and that spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. So the children of Israel, 400 years in slavery in Egypt, right? Being abused, hungry, 400 years, 40 years across the desert, God miraculously taking care of them and gets them to the point where... He says, just across the river is your promise. 
just across the river. They sent in 12 spies, 10 come back and go, man, there is no way in the world this place will devour us. These people are giants in this land. Now, who, where does the thing giant come from? Where, where in the, did, who said there were giants in the land? Joshua and Caleb didn't say there were giants in the land. You see, when we start facing our issues with fear, everything gets blown out of proportion. Suddenly, there is a reason why we can't do some things. There's a reason we can't take this step for God in our life because it's too huge. And we begin to exaggerate all that's around us. Nobody told, I mean, we don't know if there were giants or not. But that's the way it goes. And then we forget about what God did back in Egypt. They've forgotten the 40 years of manna, the 40 years that their shoes didn't wear out. The 40 years that God brought the quail into their camp and fed them. Now it's all about, oh man, look how small we are. Look how great these giants are. Even though this is the land that God has brought us to. And even though it's been 400 years in the making, gosh, we can't do this. We can't do this. And this is what happens with us. Suddenly we exaggerate. And secondly, our second thing is we underestimate our own abilities. We don't think we have it in us. We just don't, we just don't think we can do it. We don't. Look in uh, the 33rd verse in Numbers 13. We saw the Nephilim. Okay, that's the other story again. But these are giants. So we're getting like the sons of Anak. We're getting the Nephilim. They're seeing giants in the land. We seemed like grasshoppers in in our own eyes. And what? And we looked the same to them. How did they know what they looked like to these giants? If they were in the land, did they go and say, Hey, guy, how do we look? You know, I mean... No, that's, that's what fear does. It exaggerates everything, and then it makes you feel like you're a bug. You could not possibly do what God has called you to do because you're just a bug. Everything looks like a giant to you. You can't make the step across the river. We underestimate our own abilities. Some of us may have issues when we get to that spot of taking a step where indeed we do remember the failures that we've had. And we don't feel like because we've got such a history of failure that we don't feel like there's any preferable future for us. And that tends to just redesign our whole outlook of life. Now, that is something I think God really does want to deal with us. We've got a group here called Restart that Brian Bailey and his team leads, and it deals with issues that maybe earlier in life or addictions or struggles or the way we look at ourselves in an unhealthy way. And uh, it makes us feel like bugs. You know, we feel like we'll never do anything. We'll never do anything substantial. We can't do possibly what God has called us to. And so this group is available to you guys. And you just ask Brian... Uh, is Brian in here? Is he outside? Is he gone? He's the guy with the gray beard comes up here. You see him almost every Sunday. See Brian and talk to him about this restart group and get the bug off your windshield, okay? It's not you. <laughs> it's not you. Third thing we do is we get discouraged after all of this. Numbers 14.1, that night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. Here we go. Our difficulties are exaggerated. We underestimate our own abilities, and now we're just discouraged. How am I going to do this? Look where we are. Man, 40, we're so far away from Egypt. Now we've got to go across this river. There's giants in the land. 
oh my gosh, everybody starts weeping, everybody starts crying, everybody gets down and discouraged. And then what happens next is the natural progression. This is fill in four. We start to gripe. (laughs) We start to complain and we start to gripe about our situation. Look in Numbers 14 too. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Woe be you if you're a leader in a situation like this. (laughs) Uh, Against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt. Or the wilderness. Isn't that sadly comedic? I mean, it's like instead of seeing the promised land and knowing that there's where we're called to, it would have been better if we died on the way here. Now, that's discouragement. And that's griping. And that's complaining. And fear does that to us. It will reframe your future. And it makes the past look worse than it was. Or better, I should say, than it was. Like, I want to go back there. That's what I want to do. And then fifth, what happens? Here's what we do. We give up and we blame God for it all. We give up and we blame God. Numbers 14, 3. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? We give up and we blame God. When I was studying this, I wrote this phrase down. A crappy past is better than an uncertain future. At least I was familiar with my crappy past. I know what to expect. You know, I'm making bricks with very little straw. The Egyptians are beating us, starving us to death. But at least I understand that. Let me go back to my crappy past because I am not sure of what this across the river thing is going to mean for me. And that's that cycle we get in. We go back and we never break out of it. And it's a fear cycle. And it was about... To trip all of Israel up if it wasn't for a couple of guys named Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua. Is there a risk going forward? Absolutely there's a risk. Is there reward going forward? Absolutely there's reward. Going back offers nothing. Going forward offers, well we're going to see in just a second. So what happens when we stop looking with eyes of fear and we begin to look at life with eyes of faith? This is your next set of fill-ins. When we look with eyes of daring faith, your first fill-in is this. Faith shrinks our problems. Faith shrinks our problems. Look at this in Numbers 13, 30. Then Caleb, thank God for some Caleb's in our life, huh? Then Caleb silenced the people. And who knows how many, I've heard all kind of numbers from, you know, a few hundred thousand to four and five million people in this group. But he silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land. What? For we can certainly do it. Faith shrinks the problem. Caleb's not mentioning any giants because he didn't see any giants. You know what he saw? He saw a good land. That's what he saw. It was a good land. He wasn't keeping his eyes on the giants at all. When I mentioned the names, those 10 names earlier, uh, some of those names are awesome. Those guys you will never remember. Some of them's names are fortune, uh, blessed by God. They're Hebrew names. Wonderful names, right? Well, you know what Caleb's name is? What it means? Dog. Dog. After the first service and I mentioned that, I said, I got to check this out a little more. So I rushed back to my office. I grabbed one of my... 
went to the Hebrew books and started looking his name up. And you know what it said? It said this. The name Caleb or the name dog can be taken two ways. One way is you can look at the name Caleb as being a uh, rebellious animal. It will not obey its master. Or it can be an obedient, strong support to its master. Caleb had a decision to make when he was standing on that side of the, of the river. Whether he was going, which dog he was going to be. He could fall out with the other ten and be the Caleb that said, nah, I'm rebelling against Moses and Joshua and I'm not stepping into it. Or he could say, let's go. This is a good land. That was the dog he was intended to be. And that is the dog that he became. A brave one, supporting his leaders and walking across that river to take the land. You see, some of you have been hung with names. <laughs> Loser, you know, less than. You'll never be anything. You can turn that name around just like Caleb did with a step of faith in the right direction. You don't have to be hung with that name. That is not your name. That is not your name. And when we take steps of faith, we begin to see who we really are in God's eyes. And so that first step is faith shrinks our problems. Like in Genesis eighteen fourteen. We read these words, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything, I mean, you need to hear those when you're about to make a step of faith, right? And then Jesus said this in Luke 1, 37, for nothing is impossible with God. You think some things are, they just cannot be turned around. You think you can't possibly have a job you enjoy. You don't think you could ever, you know, get your marriage to work right. You know, don't, and don't start thinking, I'm going back to Egypt, <laughs> My crappy existence is better than an uncertain future. I'm just going to go back and settle in and accept it. No, are you going to step in by faith and move toward a preferable future that you know God has given you? You know it's yours. You can see it across the river. And the only way to get there is to take the step across the river. It's never coming to you. You've got to step across it. Faith shrinks our problems. Number two, faith positions us for miracles. Positions us for miracles. Just like Caleb's name. He had a choice whether to step in it and expect God to do things or not. Faith positions us for miracles. Joshua 3, 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself. This is right as they're getting ready to go in. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. Amazing things among you. He had already done amazing things, right? But tomorrow, as you step in, into that river and you begin to walk over, God's going to do some amazing things for you. Hold on. Miracles are coming. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two through 24, Have faith in God. It is faith in God. It's not in ourselves. It's faith in God's preferable future that he is calling us to. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. What's he getting at? What are the mountains in your life that you know God wants to remove? What are they? Don't give up on them. Don't settle on this side down in the valley when you're looking at that, that huge thing. Nothing is too hard for God. Step into it. God has called you into it. Is it your marriage? Is it some addiction? Is it a relationship? Is it a, is it a profession? Your finances? What is it? Step into it. Don't be robbed of it. Stop thinking that you'll never change. 
You know what? If you don't quit thinking that, you never will. It's just not going to just happen. You have to step into it. In Matthew 13, 58, Jesus said this about an area he was in. He said, it says that he could not do many miracles because of their lack of faith. Jesus was hampered and doing miracles in this area because the people did just did not ex- want it, expect it, or believe it. And we can give up in some areas of our life where God wants to come and do miraculous things, remove mountains in our life, but we give up because we don't think God is capable of doing it. And so we won't step into the river and head across. We doubt. We doubt Him. Jesus said in Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, let it be done to you. According to your faith. Thirdly, faith releases the promises of God. Faith releases the promises of God. In Numbers 14, 8, we read, If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will, look at this word, devour them. When's the last time we read that word? Remember the negatives? Remember the other 10 spies came back? They will devour us. It means cannibalize. In other words, they're going to eat us. They're going to eat us. They're going to take us, kill us, take us off the face of the planet. Caleb and Joshua come back around and said, oh, no, we're going to devour them. We're taking them. Let's go. We will devour them. Their protection is gone. See, when God leads you somewhere and into something, you don't have to worry about the, whatever that situation is in front of you being protected by Him. It's come down and now you have the hand of God on you to move in to that land that He's called you to. Do not be afraid of them. You know, I'm sorry for those of you, all of you, who did not win the lottery. Um, I know you're extremely bummed out. And I'm bummed out because so many of you told me you were going to pay the building off and tithe to the church. So, uh, you know, I'm really, I'm really, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry for that. But, you know, what were the odds? One and 352 million or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, but you know what? There are 7,000 promises in the Bible. 7,000 promises that you have been guaranteed to experience as you step out in faith in your life. You got a lot better odds of experiencing the goodness of God by stepping out in faith and trusting Him than you ever will with a lottery. Not that we won't take it if you win it, but <laughs> just saying. We've got a lot we want to do around here. <laughs> so I appreciate the feeling, but look, this, the promises God has for you, this releases the promises of God when you believe that these are for you and that God loves you and has called you to a good Calling and a good adventure. All of us. Every one of us. Fourthly, faith brings to reality God-given dreams. And we're going to talk about dreams in this series. I hope you have some dreams. Faith brings to reality God-given dreams. I love this This in Joshua 5.11. I just tried to put myself in that position. It says, the day after Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year, they ate the produce of Canaan. Do you know what they're saying? All the miracles that got them to that point, 
once they stepped over the river and into the new land, they picked up some of the produce. And it's a very simple meal that they, that they cooked. But it was a meal made from the produce of the promised land God had given them. Can you imagine sitting around cooking up the first meal? The first returns, the first fruits of what God had promised you. That you would have never got to taste if you didn't cross the river in faith. I just think about that and go, wow, that's the promises. They finally get to literally taste it. And sometimes in our lives, we want to give up. We want to give up in relationships. We want to give up professionally. We want to give up in our calling or ministry or wherever, whatever God is doing in your life. You want to give up because you feel like you can't taste the goodness of it yet. And you want to. And so you don't cross the river. You don't battle the giants that are in the land. Suppose giants because you don't think you're strong enough or courageous enough. But if God has led you into that, you can eat the produce and the fruits of the land of the dreams that God has given you. But you'll never get there with eyes of fear. But you will get there if you have faith, the faith that God has given you to trust him and to follow him into that land. I mean, just thought about them sitting around the fire and, you know, cooking it up and saying, this is our first meal in our new land. Remember that home, the first home you moved into? And you cooked your first meal in it. How you looked around the house and you went, wow, this is our house. This is, this is our house. It was so good. That is the release of the promises of God because of faith. Faith brings reality to God-given dreams. And your last one here is this. Faith sustains us through tough times. Faith sustains us through tough times. Faith shrinks our problems. Faith positions us for miracles. Faith releases the promises of God. Faith brings to reality God-given dreams. And faith sustains us through tough times. The guy who wrote most of the Old Testament, a guy named Paul, uh, didn't have what you call a really comfortable life. He, uh, at one time, he, he did live a comfortable life. He, he was a big religious leader, most likely wealthy, uh, he had permission from his leaders to go out and hunt down Christians and kill them. What a profession. And uh, probably was paid for it. And so, uh, but one day, Jesus had a different plan for his life. And on his way to do just that, to find some Christians to kill, uh, Jesus strikes him down, knocks him off his horse, and, and comes to him and says, you're not, you know, basically, you're not going to be doing what you were doing. Now you're going you're to follow me. Paul turns around and becomes the greatest apostle who ever lived. All through his life, he faced challenge. He was locked up in jail. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was flogged. But through every one of the epistles that you read in the New Testament that he wrote, you, you pick up on this golden strand of joy. This amazing beauty of satisfaction of knowing he was exactly where God wanted him. Through all of it. And let me just read this one part of this scripture from 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9 by this guy named Paul. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Hard pressed, but not crushed down. Perplexed, I'm not sure what you're doing, God. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but I'm trusting and I'm hanging on. And that's the thing with eyes of faith. When we see with eyes of faith, we know that whatever is going on, whatever pain we're suffering at the moment, God is there in it with us. 
and he will carry us through it. I mean, this isn't a health and wealth prosperity gospel here. This is a walking with God for the sake of the world gospel. And when it does get tough, if you read Joshua and Caleb, go back to the Old Testament, their first little battle wasn't the greatest in the world. Matter of fact, they got something mixed up. Things went bad. Three battles that they fought, Joshua and Caleb and the group, before they really were able to settle down. And, uh, but they kept pressing. They made corrections. They kept pressing in faith until they got what God had for them. And so, faith sustains us through the tough times. There's a resiliency that uh, people of faith have. You know, you knock, knock them down, they get right back up. Remember those old, like, what was it, those clowns or what? You could sock them. See how old I am? You know, you just like sock them down and they'd come right back up. No matter how much you beat on them, they just came right back, right back. There's a resiliency in people who walk with God and trust God and know their own mission with God that no matter how many times they get knocked down, it has nothing to do with the walk, the mission, and the adventure of God. So they get up and they walk on because God had called them to a better land. So where are you today? We started out saying faith is seeing God's preference for the future and then acting on it, seeing things God's way and then acting on it. Where are you this morning? What step of faith has God called you to in your life? And you know that God is in it. You know that God has been wooing you. It is a good thing that God has called you to. I've just mentioned a few things like your relationships and being a good employer or employee, helping people, ministering to people. It's easy to get discouraged in tough times. I don't know how many times I I know... you. You might not believe this, but you don't know how many times I've quit this church. <laughs> I mean, in my head, you know. It used to be we, we call each other church planners when we first started this church. We would call each other on Sunday afternoon and go, you can do it for one more Sunday. You can do it for one more Sunday. Because you get discouraged. You look around and maybe you didn't preach the best you wanted to. Uh, you look around and, you know, things aren't going like you want. Somebody leaves the church that you didn't want to leave the church. Um, you know, and they happen to tell you right before you walked up to preach, great timing. And, uh, you know, you go through things like that and you, you face other issues and stuff. And it's, it's like you, then you go, wait a minute, I, got, I see. I see something, Lord. I see what you've dropped in. And then, you know what it is? Like this summer, 2,500 students coming through this building from overseas. And that's what we saw 18 years ago was this going on. And so when things get tough... You keep holding on to that vision and that dream. You go, that's why, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your business, whatever it is that you're in, you keep holding on to that because you know there is a preferable future out there that God has for you. Now there's 2,500, we want three, 4,000 this summer. You know, during Christmas time, you guys fed, I don't know how many people you gave gifts to so many children that would not have had gifts at Christmas time. You have prayed for people, you have fed people, you have been with people during loss. You have loved people who had not been loved in their life, who have been pushed to the side, and you have loved them. And if any of us had given up at any time over these years, we would not be here now, putting our toes in another river and about to cross into another part of our life. And that's true for you personally, and that's true for us as a church. So what is your next step? Do you see it? Let's pray. 
We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.